I was building a podcast editing agency. All four of them decided that they were going to cut the podcast. I lost probably 70% of our revenue overnight, and I just was not able at the time to recover from it. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. We got with you today, the Knucklehead Steven. And I'm excited for those of you who are listening, who've had this question about the idiosyncrasies associated with podcasting and how you can literally own a niche and how you can go from start to finish to one to five downloads to a million downloads to now all of a sudden you've got listeners all over the world that want to plug into your format. Greg Clunas, he has a podcast called Tiny Leaps, Big Changes. And I, I'm excited. He's a podcast host, but I don't want to just pigeonhole into, into that one experience. He's got substantially more to offer than just a podcast. He's got practical application, practical information, some really, really compelling processes to build, not only podcasts around, but informational products. He's just a phenomenal course builder, which he does have a link for a course, uh, which you can find in the show notes here. We'll get into that later. But Greg, first of all, welcome to the show. How are you? Dude, thank you so much for having me. This is an absolute honor and I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing good. I appreciate you taking some time to talk to a podcast named Knucklehead, right? We lean full into the model that you're never going to be able to figure this out right the first time. You're going to screw this thing up and this thing could be life. This thing could be personal development. This thing could actually be business. It really could be relationships. We lean wholeheartedly into the fact that those failures lead to breakthroughs we like to focus our attention more towards the business side of things because it is helpful to, you know, to have money to pay bills and you know, choices, <laughs> that type of thing. You're in New York, right? Uh, not anymore, actually. I just recently moved to New Hampshire. Oh, okay. All right. Well, fantastic. That's awesome. In New York, you probably know this better than me. It's tough to buy pizza with hopes and dreams. You know what I mean? They like it when you pay them in cash. So let's dive right in there. Let's dive right into this thought process of knucklehead, which is really just embracing the mistakes and failures of life and learning from those lessons and being willing to share in some of those knucklehead type moments in today's world where it's really, really difficult to share your personal beliefs and your business tactics for sake of just somebody disagreeing with you. How did you come across podcasting as a way to actually lend your voice to the self-development or personal development business? I'm interested to see kind of what your story is, man. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting, actually. So for context to those of you listening, I am 27 right now. From the age of 13, when I was 13, I got into personal development. And it was actually my brother. I was spending a summer with him down in Florida. And he's a, he's a big dude. He's much older than me. Uh, he's a personal trainer, bodybuilder. So like scary looking guy for a little 13 year old Greg. And so uh, he walks into my room one day and he throws this like massive book, this textbook on my, my bed and says, by the end of the summer, you need to read this. And uh, I was Tony Robbins, Awaken the Giant Within, which I never actually ever finished that book. Like it's, it's huge and the font is so tiny, but it was the first thing that really opened my eyes to this idea of you can set goals, you can control the direction you want your life to go in, things like that. And I actually think that that year specifically when I was 13, like that was the right moment for it to hit. Because as I grew older, as I went through high school, college, it started to become a defining piece of my personality. This idea that you're in control of what happens and the outcome you gain by the actions you take. So that's always been 
in the background of my life. After I graduated college, though, I took a job in marketing and I was working full time, but there just wasn't enough work to do. So I started watching YouTube videos on how to build a business and things like that. And one day my boss was walking behind my desk, saw the little bottom right corner video playing with YouTube, and that did not end very well in terms of conversations. So I switched over to audio because then he couldn't find out. So that's how I I first discovered podcasting. And it's actually so funny because for those of you listening who don't know, podcasting is actually a pretty old medium. I came out in like 2002, 2003-ish. So in my mind at the time, it was like this ancient dinosaur that had, they tried it and it died. I had no clue what was about to happen with cereal popping and This American Life and all of these like massive shows that are out there. I had no clue any of that was going to happen. So I got in right before the big wave started, started listening. And I've always been the type of person that if I get obsessed with consuming something, I want to make it. And so I eventually decided to look up a course on how to podcast. I jumped into uh, JLD's course, John Lee Dumas's course, realized I knew a lot of the technical skills because I had done some audio engineering uh, in school. And so it was just off to the races. I launched my first show in a month. It completely flopped. And that's sort of where everything started. It's interesting you highlight John Lee Dumas as kind of the original source of information. And when I say the original source of information, meaning here you have the foundation of personal development, right? Of being willing to go out and and put yourself out there and take some risks, take some, we call that don't be beta here at Knucklehead, right? You can't be haphazardly going towards a goal. You you may not know exactly where you want to end up, but the prerequisite is forward motion. The idea that you're walking in the right direction to get to where you want to go. To be specific, you started with a marketing career. You didn't start with in audio engineering at an IT company. You got into marketing, right? So you understood kind of the direction where you wanted to go. And that led to a series of of opportunities, one in which where you realize you can't watch YouTube. You can't, hold on for a second. You can't watch YouTube videos while you're at work. Is that, that's that's not, you're not supposed to do that. That's Yeah, see, that's that's a a thing that I was shocked about, to be honest. I don't see what the problem is. Yeah, well, I mean, (laughs) you are, I guess, you are paid there to, to bring in the dollar bills or save money for that matter. So I could see how that would be a, a not prudent uh, use of company <laughs> time. So I understand that thought process. Well, let's fast forward just a little bit because you had talked about your show flopping. Um, yeah. Who did you share it with? Did you did you talk with anybody before you decided to release any of these episodes? Or yeah, so help, help me understand how it flopped. Yeah, so I'm historically not very good at the build up to things. Like I have an idea and it's there the next day. So. There was no pre-marketing. There was no real like plan around how I'm going to put this live. It was just, cool, I now know how to podcast. Let me record something and it's going live tomorrow. So I ran it for about a month. And when I say it flopped, like, yeah, it, it got some listeners. But by flopped, I actually mean more so I hated it. I was not a fun show because at the time... I wasn't good enough at podcasting to be able to be creative with podcasting. So I was just kind of copying what I heard on other shows and creating another me too show. Basically it just wasn't authentic. It didn't feel fun. It wasn't a topic I I really wanted to invest an enormous amount of time in. Yes, I was interested in it. Otherwise I wouldn't have started the show, but did I see myself doing a hundred episodes on it? 300 episodes on it? Absolutely not. So about a month in, I realized this isn't fun to do. And it's not really being received that well. Let me just 
put it on the back burner. And at that point, I now had the skills on how to podcast. So I started working with clients. And that's sort of where I started to build a very small name for myself in the podcasting industry. So for context, for those of you who are listening, Greg, about how many would you say millions of downloads do you have now with your 400 plus episodes with your uh, <laughs> with your show? Uh, yeah, so Tiny Leaps, we're rounding out about 8 million. 8 million. Okay. So for, for context, uh, those, those of you who are listening in the podcast world, if you can get to 10 episodes, you're far surpassing over 80 to 85% of the shows that are out there uh, in the podcast directories known as that app that resides in your phone. And, you know, I want to use this time also to be respectful of, of Greg, but let's, let's give cre- some credit where credit is due to get past 10 episodes. It's kudos to you, but then, then also work with people who are coming up with a constructive story, so a a substantive story, and some substance to some calls to action for their audience. That's kind of a creative show. I mean, honestly, to a certain extent, that's almost like a movie. And when you talk about the influence of art on a society or on a culture for that matter, what you've been able to do is silently be able to kind of go through time and use your voice to help give direction to other human voices, and you've created a little bit of a movement. And, and that's, that's what I really appreciate about your story. However, you didn't just get there overnight. So let's talk about one of these times where one of your clients told you, hey, listen, you know, it's neat that you can help us tell stories into this microphone and we can you know, talk really quietly with headphones on our head, but we don't need your service anymore. Have you ever asked yourself why you haven't started a podcast? Well, I already know the reason, so do you. You don't feel like you're tech savvy. You don't feel like you got your message wired tight. And quite frankly, it's just, it's all this mystification going on. Quite frankly, uh, our process helps to demystify that. We're push button for podcasts. We're knucklehead. Why knucklehead? Well, we lead with the fact that you don't know what you're doing. We do. We've been there. We've actually been in your shoes. We take your spoken voice. We literally give a human voice to your website. You want to bring dead leads to life? Well, then you need to talk to knucklehead. Essentially, what we're going to do is we're going to take you through our process and we're going to help take your human voice and increase the process for you going from dead leads to life. How do I, how do, I do that? Well, you essentially just take your human voice, put it in a directory, and let people consume more of you. Give your audience the ability to Netflix on you. They want to binge watch you. They want to binge listen. Give them the ability to take your voice along on that commute with them. So you can get in touch with us, Steven at Knucklehead Podcasts. Or if you've got a really cool story, stories at Knucklehead Podcasts. You can find us on LinkedIn and on Facebook at Knucklehead Promotions, LLC. Get in touch with us. Don't be a beta about the process. Don't let the fact that you don't know prevent you from getting some wins. So don't be a beta, get some wins, and contact us today. See you. As you know, this is a tough business. And when I say tough, what I mean is a lot of companies and brands still don't fully understand the value of a podcast. And so they're measuring it, even if they're a little bit savvy and they understand digital, they're still measuring it based on how a blog performs or how a YouTube video performs, not understanding that a podcast is probably the most long-term investment that you can make in content simply because people, when they're listening, aren't in a position to click on your link and go do things. And so it might take you 15 episodes of you mentioning the same link over and over again before somebody's like, oh yeah, I wanted to do that. Let me go do it right now. Now, what that means from a launching a client show point of view, from a a consulting point of view, from speaking engagements point of view, is that the minute their budget gets squeezed, you're the first thing out. 
Like the SEO guy is going to stay. The YouTube guy is going to stay, but the podcast guy, we're not sure we need him because we've done seven episodes and it hasn't done anything yet. So let's, let's just pause on that. And so 2016, actually, I, that was the first time I I quit my job and tried to go solo. And I was building at the time, a, a podcast editing agency. And that's what killed my business. We're doing great through October of that year. Then in October, I wake up one morning to four different texts from four different clients. They don't know each other, but all four of them decided that they were going to cut the podcast literally in the same night for some strange reason. So over the course of of a 24 hour window, I lost, and these were, were massive clients. Like we were doing multiple shows for each of them. So I lost probably 70% of our revenue overnight. And I just was not able at the time to, to recover from it because I had no real way of driving customers in. It was all referral based. So if no one was willing to refer at that point, or if no one was able to refer at that point, guess what? I can't replace that 70%. And that business ended up going out of business. I had to take a full-time job the following year. That story is painful to hear. People just kind of hear that and they go, oh, 70% of revenue, that's no big deal. Well, most people from a budgeting standpoint have 120% of their budget accounted for month to month. So mm-hmm. essentially you're, you're going backwards pretty quick and not like you had any buildup to that. It happened overnight. Yeah. So let's talk about the thought process of the business, not from a critical standpoint, but let's just talk about the thought process of, you know what? I already have a YouTube channel. I, I mean, I've got over a hundred videos on this YouTube channel. Why can't I just use some of that YouTube content for my podcast? Isn't it the yeah. same thing? I just, I just strip away the audio and all of a sudden I've got episodes in my podcast directory. Right. Or from somebody who understands the nuances of the human voice and how the RSS feed actually works and digital. Why is it different in your mind? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, the truth is I've seen it done and I've seen it done well. Certain players like a Gary V pretty much does strip audio from his talks or things like that. The difference is in understanding how he positions his show. So he positions it as the Gary V audio experience. It's the audio version of his content. It's not a podcast. He used to have like the Ask Gary V show. Like the Ask Gary V show on the podcast platform was a podcast because it was unique content for that. The Gary V audio experience is the audio version of his regular content. Now, does that distinction ultimately matter? Probably not. Like if you can get it to work and it accomplishes your business goals. I don't really care if it's a podcast or if it's not a podcast, but we do need to get the language right so that when somebody comes to me or somebody comes to you or any of the the people listening decide, Hey, I want to start a podcast. Yes, you can strip the audio from your stuff, but marketing that as a podcast is going to put you in a, a situation where you're not going to be able to retain listeners because they're coming to it thinking this is a podcast which they have a a preconceived idea of versus this is the audio version of your videos. And there is a distinction there. So what you just touched on is, is almost cultivation of trust 101. You're literally having a conversation, piping your human voice directly into the ears. You're talking about one of the most powerful forms of communication that exists on the planet. And coming to that realization as a podcast producer, running an, an editing agency the way that you did, knowing full and well the power that, that exists in this tool that you're learning to build. I mean, was it all of those accumulation of all those experiences that forced you to say, you know what, I've got to come up with a product that people can consume in order to understand this power? Or well, how did you come up with the course idea? How did that come about? Yeah, so it actually, it's an interesting journey. 
So for context, uh, Tiny Leaps is the fourth podcast I've personally hosted. At the time of its launch, which was January 1st, 2016, it was the 25th show that I had launched. To date, I've done, I think we're at 52. So I've navigated the podcasting space quite a lot. And what started as an editing agency eventually transformed into primarily coaching. And a big piece of that was because I couldn't, in my very limited experience starting and running businesses, I couldn't figure out how to make the margins work properly in sort of the direct to service. Uh, And at the time, actually, and, and this is something I'm sure many people listening to this can relate to, I was scared to charge big numbers. Like I got on the phone call and could schedule the sale, so on and so forth. But as soon as I had to spit out the big ticket price that an on-demand service requires, I just couldn't do it. So I actually have ended up fixing that through some other means, which is a different story. But I switched that to a coaching business and that did super well. That actually allowed me to keep building it while I was working full-time in 2017 after the, the business collapsed. And What I found was that one, I was saying a lot of the same things to a lot of the same people and they were running into the same issues. We were getting on calls. We had a call scheduled every single week and I just found myself repeating the assignment I gave them the last week uh, with them still not following through on it. And the second piece that I I noticed was about myself. I'm not a great one-on-one coach. Am I good? Yes. Can I get a result? Yes but I'm not great and I don't want to be great. Like that's not the business I want to build. So I started looking at digital models because I knew that I had a lot of knowledge that was incredibly valuable to a lot of people that were trying to navigate the space. I knew that I accomplished a lot of things with my own show, with my previous shows, with my clients' shows. So how can I make that knowledge available in a way that I feel good about that allows me to maximize it. And I landed on a digital course, which we launched in January. However, we launched a digital course and I very quickly realized this isn't flexible enough. And when I say that, I mean, I'm still to this, we've done 8 million downloads. We're in 180 or 170 something countries. We're, we're ranked number to like top 10 in like 14 or 15 different countries, like we're doing super well. I'm still learning so much about podcasting. The industry is changing so quickly. The technology is changing so quickly. I'm learning more about how the algorithm works. I'm learning about how to transition a show from one style to a different style. Like there's so much still happening and still learning and still being created that I realized a static course just cannot work. It cannot work very well. And so we eventually transitioned that to a lower ticket membership model because it allows us to essentially, whenever we have a new piece of data that we can build something around, launch a brand new course in that membership platform without having to then say, hey, you know you how you paid $1,000 last week, pay $1,000 this week for the updated version of the course. So yeah, that's, that's sort of where we're at now. So here's what I love about that. One, the realization, you took the time to stop and evaluate what was going wrong and why. How many people do you talk to on a day-to-day basis to help deliver some of these insights? Or are you just staring yourself in the mirror, having conversations, making these tiny leaps, big changes, because that's what you say to yourself all the time? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's a good visual. Um, I probably have... Between phone conversations, text, messenger, like I'm, I'm, I'm talking to probably 15, 20 people a day, plus like obviously tracking my own data, but most of my clients have been kind enough. Even if we're not still working together, they still give me access to their dashboard. 
And that gives me access to probably about 30 shows that I can sort of look for trends across. So a lot of it's conversations, crowdsourcing, and just really spending a ton of time in data. And I also tend to obsess about things. So as soon as I notice an issue that I don't understand, it's just top of mind as I'm sleeping the next morning, like until I come up with some theories that I can test, it's just always there. I love that. I love that. I say that a lot, but really, quite frankly, what I love and I appreciate about your delivery is just the pain associated with some of the mistakes that you're talking about. Just the leaving yourself out there, being willing to screw up again. We call that don't be beta, right? You cannot be a beta about the process, which means that you have to be largely willing to get punched in the mouth. You have to have some nosebleeds along the way. And when you're dealing with a, a corporate culture where there's a significant amount of internal politics involved, it doesn't lend yourself kindly to being able to take some of these risks, right? Mm-hmm. There's some unknowns associated with this particular, you know, medium of communication, but that's what, that's what I like about your delivery is, is you're not emotionally attached to the result. You're willing to do the work. You're willing to do the analysis and you understand full and well that the tactics that you deploy may or may not solve the problem as effectively as what you originally thought, but you're willing and flexible enough to make that pivot when the market says we need you to make a pivot. And that's what I like about and appreciate about your model, Greg. Just to add on to that very quickly, I found that this has actually become the connective tissue between the podcast, which is largely just personal development, improve your life focused, and then the work that I do in podcasting. The connective tissue has become this understanding of, I don't actually care what the result of a specific action is. I care about what data that gives me because I can't take action unless I have some sort of data to work from. Now, in the very beginning of, okay, cool, here's the outcome we want. The only data you have is here's the outcome we want. What's a list of things that we can try? And it's going to be the most random list possible. But then you try things and you realize that didn't work, that didn't work. Why didn't that work? Cool, let's try that, but change this one thing. Now you've got actual data that you can move through. And the same is true both for your life and the goals that you have set, your business, your relationships, whatever it is. And, hey, I want to grow a podcast. Like, it's the same practice. It's the same action. It's just, here's the outcome. How can we gather data in the quickest way possible so that we can refine our actions and get to that outcome eventually? It starts with being willing to get smacked in the mouth, right? We call that don't be beta. And that's, that's, what, I, that's what I love about, that's, again, that's what I've, and I've said it about 16 times now. That's what I appreciate so much about your willingness to go out there and collect that information. First of all, you don't even understand that random task list that you talked about until you have some context on your own, mm-hmm. which you know you started to develop after four shows. And it sounds like on number 52 now, you're well on your way to 100. I'm excited about revisiting this same discussion, 50 new podcast shows from now. <laughs> uh, hopefully by that time, you'll be you know the CEO and the titan of the company that's going to displace Wondry from the mantle that they're on right now. But oh, you know, that's a different topic for a different time, Greg. So uh, There's so much coming. There's so yeah. much coming. I'm excited. I'm excited about it. Well, let's use what we've learned in marketing and build to some anticipatory simple calls to action here. What is somebody going to do? Let's just say I'm an employee within a business. I've been tasked with growing a show. I've been tasked with reviving a dead show. Give somebody one thing that they can do. And then second, follow it up with how can people find you? Yeah. So you've got a show. It's either dying or just launched. You've no real audience yet. You're trying to figure out what the heck can I do? If there was one singular thing that I would highly recommend everyone start looking at, it's finding and mastering a single source of discovery. Now, the truth is it doesn't actually matter what that source of discovery is. Always ask yourself this question. If you could 
gather 80% of your potential audience from LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook or whatever the source is, 80% of your potential audience, if you could get them to listen to your show, you would have more listeners than you know what to do with. Like all of these platforms have millions, if not hundreds of millions of people just sitting there waiting. Now, not all of them are potential listeners, but a good percentage might be. So it makes no sense to me, the, the practice that podcasters have and content creators in general of, cool, I'm going to be on every platform and I'm going to spend five minutes sharing on every single one of them. Each post that you make on each of the platforms is not contextual to it. It's not in the language of that platform. It's not unique to that platform. And therefore it's going to completely flop. And so now you're flopping over 20 platforms instead of absolutely crushing it on one platform. And the fear that we all have, the reason we don't do this is, oh, well, what if that platform disappears tomorrow? Newsflash, it's not going to. Like, it's just not. If, if Facebook disappears tomorrow, it means the internet disappeared tomorrow. And that's probably not going to happen. So you're fine. Own a platform and learn how to dominate it so that you can then take the people you gain from that platform and push them elsewhere and sort of rig the game in your favor. That's the number one piece of advice. I love it. Number two, how can people get in touch with you? If people want to reach out to me, uh, best way is, you know what? Email me directly, greggg at tiny.am, T-I-N-Y dot A-M. If you want to learn more about the membership site, it's sparkology.co. So S-P-A-R-K-O-L-O-G-Y dot C-O. And you can also, if you are working in a corporate environment, you want to talk about some kind of consulting, we do have that on a limited basis. So there's a consulting tab on the Sparkology page and you'll be able to reach out to my boy, Lewis directly, who will handle you and make sure that you get taken care of. 100% for free, right? That's what you do in the digital space, right? You just give away information, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. No, no, no. All right, Actually, so I, really, so it, it, I will say this though. If you do email me and you have specific questions about your show, I am a complete open book. I do give most things away for free because most of you aren't going to do anything about it anyway. But for the few of you who will, just shoot me an email. If you have a specific question, I'm a thousand percent down to answer it. There you go. Greg Clunas, host of Tiny Leaps, Big Changes, millions of downloads. That means millions of folks over across a hundred different countries have listened to his information on personal development, on health, and, uh, and he's been able to successfully rebound, not just from a, a business failure, but multiple business failures, multiple creative processes, and has been able to withstand some of the changes that happen in today's technological environment. So that's a prerequisite in order to be successful, not just in today, but going forward. And so we appreciate him taking some time. For those of you who like listening to Knucklehead, Greg, I uh, told you exactly how to get in touch with him. You know how to get in touch with us. We're across all those social media platforms that he just told you exist that are out there that aren't going away. So you know how to get in touch with us there. Best way to get in touch with us directly, though, is on LinkedIn and Knucklehead Promotions LLC. So you know how to get in touch with us. And uh, Greg, with that being said, anything else that you want to leave these folks with? The last thing, the, the ultimate last thing, and I already said this, but uh, and, and, and Stephen said this as well, but I really want to drive this home because I think people, if we just start thinking more like this, we'll get a lot more of the results that we want. It's always about getting data. Like he calls it getting punched in the mouth and being willing to, and that's a hundred percent true because it will hurt. But if you don't get attached to the outcome of any particular action and you just treat it as data gathering, it kind of makes it not hurt as much. And you are able to actually move forward and actually achieve the thing you're looking for. So whatever your goal is, whether it's personal or professional, 
set the target, figure out what a list of potential actions are, and then start doing them literally by at random just to see what you can learn and then start making better decisions off that. I construct a practical blueprint on how to figure out what you want to figure out and get to where you want to go. Greg, we appreciate your time. We will Thank talk to you so soon, much. guys. You bet.